Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be responding to the latest episode of MTV's Decoded hosted by Francesca Ramsey that looks at the idea of good cops versus bad cops. Then Netflix is actually promoting trans children in their latest kid series, The Babysitter's Club. It's pretty shocking stuff. To get us started though, if you're at all familiar with online political discourse, which if you're watching or listening to this episode, you probably are, you've likely seen at least a few episodes of MTV's Decoded featuring Francesca Ramsey. If you haven't, it is a web series of short episodes, like 10 minutes each, that looks at different issues relating to progressive politics and social justice. They've covered things like cultural appropriation, um, fetishizing POC, I think there was an episode about whitewashing too, that kind of thing. The series was especially viral during 2016 and it seems like every single anti-social justice commentator was responding to episodes of MTV's Decoded. I know I certainly did a few back in the day, but they stopped making episodes for a while for whatever reason, but now they are back with a new season that is apparently gonna be focusing entirely on issues related to the police in light of the whole BLM thing. So here we have the first episode they've put out, which looks at the concept of there being more good cops in police forces than bad cops. And before we look at the clips we have here. I do just want to say that surprisingly, I don't disagree with everything Francesca Ramsey has to say here. I am in favor of police reform and criminal justice reform. And a lot of the things she says in this episode, I think broadly, people of all different political persuasions will probably agree with, right? But with that being said, there are quite a few things that I still take issue with. So let's just... Let's take a look. Whenever an instance of police violence gains national attention, the first argument that gets trotted out is that we can end police violence by making sure there are more good cops who can help stop the bad apples. And that's not just an idea that your weird uncle posts about on Facebook, in between Greta Thunberg memes and conspiracy theories about pizza places. We've seen the good cops can fix it idea championed in op-eds by Forbes and the New York Times. To the best of my recollection, I cannot recall anybody who acknowledges that there is a problem with police brutality saying simply, but the good cops will take care of the problem. Like that's not, as far as I can remember, something I've ever seen. I have seen people mention that good cops exist in response to people saying stuff like, all cops are bastards or cheering for the death of police officers. That I have seen, but I, I think Francesca Ramsey is a little bit mistaken in why people bring up the fact that there are good cops out there. I actually took the time to read the Forbes op-ed she mentioned. Uh, I didn't do the one from the New York Times because I would have had to pay and I don't want to do that. But in that article, the author, he mentions good cops existing. I don't think to diminish the fact that there are problems with certain police officers or to say that, oh, the good cops will just take care of everything we don't need to do anything, but it is to just remind people that despite the existence of bad cops out there, the average cop, especially the one you might see in your local community, they're probably not a bad person and they probably did just become a cop to serve and protect the people around them. And I think that is important to remember in an era where people seem so keen to dehumanize cops. The, the best example I can think of this was recently when a young woman posted on Twitter about her father dying, who was a cop. The comments and replies to that, to my horror, were filled with people cheering on his death. 
It, it was terrible. And so, it, no, people don't talk about good cops existing. I think to say they'll take care of the issue, it's just please don't dehumanize and demonize an entire group of people based on the actions of a few which is reasonable to me. There are a few reasons why this line of thinking is so appealing. There are over 800,000 police officers in this country, and the good cop rhetoric is an emotional appeal that asks and answers three main questions. Is it hard to be a police officer? Yes. Do police officers often find themselves in dangerous situations? Yes. In that group of over 800,000, are there bound to be well-intentioned police officers who don't like what they see across the country? Yes. But does any of that matter when it comes to stopping police violence? Not really. I find it kind of ironic, I don't know about you all, but I, it really makes me laugh to hear Francesca Ramsey of all people point to something else as just an emotional argument. But to her point, the reason I think a lot of the time people do bring up good cops existing isn't to just garner sympathy for police officers out there like, oh, feel bad for them, being a cop is a hard job, etc. It is to bring context to the cases of police brutality we see out there, right? In which case, it's more than just an emotional appeal, right? It's an, it's an appeal to statistics and to reason. As terrible as something like George Floyd's death was, the fact is that that is an outlier. And by pointing to all the good cops out there, people aren't just trying to pull out your heartstrings, they're trying to contextualize what you are seeing. Trying to say that, yes, this was terrible, but keep in mind, this is not representative of what you see day to day with police officers. So it's not saying that we should ignore the bad when it happens, but this idea that in the street, police officers are just chasing down black people and gunning them down, that is not supported by the facts. In fact, this system is built to suppress and punish those who try to challenge the way it's built, even if they're these so-called good cops. Take Carol Horn. After 19 years in the Buffalo PD, she intervened as her partner used a potentially lethal chokehold on a subject. The result was that Horn was accused of putting another officer's life in danger and fired one year before her pension would have started. There was Joe Crystal, who was fired for reporting police brutality in Baltimore, Laura Shook, who was fired in Indiana for reporting corruption, and Shanna Lopez, fired for reporting police officers that preyed on vulnerable women in Dallas. So in short, when there are good cops, the bad cops fire them. This clip is interesting to me because I like that Francesca mentions corrupt police officers, but I also feel like she doesn't know what to do with those corrupt police officers or police forces aside from just get rid of the police, which to me at least seems like an overreaction, but I do agree that corruption in the police is a problem. We might disagree about how big of a problem it is, but anytime I see corruption or just bad performance, I like to ask myself, why is this allowed to exist? And that goes for governments, NGOs, companies, you name it. And most of the time, essentially almost all the time, it's because of a lack of accountability. If people were actually held accountable for their actions, most of the time their actions would improve. So what's happening with police forces? Well, you have police unions. And I don't know how you all feel about unions in general or more specifically public sector unions, but it is a fact that sometimes police unions do spend more time protecting bad police officers or ensuring a lack of accountability than they spend fighting just for good working conditions for cops. And if we are gonna have this conversation about police reform, police unions need to be a part of that. And second, 
We also have to look at how local politicians factor into this, right? So she's really upset about all of these, you know, police forces that are getting away with bad things or whatever. Why don't we ask who allows these people to keep their jobs? And, you know, odds are it's your local elected officials. I know some places in the U.S. I think you elect sheriffs, but by and large, people like the mayor of your city or town should be in charge of holding these people accountable. And if they're not doing a good job of that, then why do you keep electing them, right? I mean, elections have consequences. It's it's a running theme in politics. And if you're not happy with the people who are serving your local community, there is actually something you can do about it aside from just wanting to get rid of the police. So maybe let's keep that in mind. Before we go any further though, I do just want to take a quick minute to thank our sponsor, Simply Safe, who have been with us for quite a while now, and we really appreciate it. So the thing about home security companies is that most trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer service. So while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no-brainer, and that is Simply Safe. Simply Safe has everything you need to protect your home with none of the drops of traditional home security. It has an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window, and door tailored specifically to your home. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's ever an emergency. You can set it up all by yourself in under an hour. Just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them. No technician is required. And there's no contract, no pushy sales guys, no hidden fees, and no fine print. All this starts at just $15 per month. And I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is simply amazing. US News and World Report named it the best overall home security of 2020, which is a pretty big deal. So try Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com/lauren. You get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial, so you have nothing to lose by checking it out. Again, that's simplysafe.com/lauren so they know that our show sent you. And now in this next part of the video, Francesca talks about criminal justice reform in general and over-incarceration in the United States. And I'm actually someone who doesn't think that the answer to every single crime is just to put someone in prison. I think that is more often than not actually harming communities. I want people to employ things like community service and parole and therapy and just maybe treatment for, you know, drug offenses rather than just into prison you go. So I don't necessarily have a problem with the chunk of the video that follows the last clip, but next she brings things back to police officers. But for starters, police probably shouldn't be the first people we call when it comes to mental health crises, homelessness, or domestic violence. We also shouldn't expect the local jail to be the largest mental health services institution in almost every major American city. And we can't keep criminalizing every issue because we don't have anyone else to take care of it besides police. You know, the people who show up with a gun and are legally allowed to shoot you if they think you might be a threat. So again, to my surprise, this is something that I agree, I agree with Francesca Ramsey about. I think a lot of the times, you know, police officers aren't trained to be social workers and therapists and to deal with mental health issues, all of which are reasons that they could be called to a scene. And I, I think it is unfair to the people who the cops are dealing with. I think it's unfair to the cops themselves. So I absolutely 
actually think that perhaps we need to look at different ways to responding to some of these situations. Sometimes cops are needed, but I mean, whether that be more training for the officers in question, in things like social work and de-escalation, or a different sector of responders who can attend to these people, something like that, I am not against that idea. But the reason why I still wanted to respond to this episode is that she really does seem to have a problem with people simply pointing out that most cops are good people. And I think there is a big difference between saying there are some bad cops out there and the whole criminal justice system, including policing, is flawed versus all cops are bastards, right? And in this video, it's almost like she seems to hop back and forth between the two mentalities, one of which I can actually agree with and the other I, I think is very damaging uh, to society and to individual interactions with police officers in general. I would love to know where you all stand on this though. And you know, I've had my fair share of bad experiences with police officers, so I'm definitely not one to think that every single person wearing a badge is a saint. But at the same time, if we are living in a culture where it is okay to laugh at dead cops or it is okay to do things like spit in someone's food just because they are a police officer, then we need to re-examine, uh, we need to re-examine the conversation surrounding policing because it's not a healthy one. Next up though, we are gonna look at Netflix. Now there is this show called The Babysitter's Club that is now on Netflix. I think there's like the first season with 10 episodes that is a remake of an older series. I have not seen the older series and I have no interest in seeing the newer series, but I think it's relevant because on social media, I saw that to, to my horror, to my shock, there is actually a trans child in this show that is meant for children. And we have a social media thread that we, we are gonna be looking at. So about one of the episodes of The Babysitter's Club, it was posted to the official Netflix Twitter account that quote, it turns out the child Marianne is sitting for is a young trans girl named Bailey, whose parents simply needed a sitter they could trust. Bailey is adorable, fabulous, and already knows what's tea. Ready for an outfit change, Bailey explains that the closet is full of her old clothes while her new clothes are much more sparkly. Taste. Marianne understands immediately that Bailey knows who she is and has supportive parents who trust their daughter and want her to be happy. And with that post, there was also a video included. Well, these won't do. Where are your clothes, Princess Bailey? Those are my old clothes. Over here are my new clothes. This one's very, very beautiful. Ooh, this one's my favorite. <laughs> Mommy! Princess, are you having a good time? I'm so sorry, were we too loud? Are you kidding? I'm just glad you two are getting along so well. Mommy, look what Mary Ann showed me. That's when I understood. <gasps> Bailey was a little girl, and her new clothes helped people see that. So in this segment, a theme you're gonna see related to the show is the idea that dresses, pink and sparkly things make someone a little girl, which is wrong for several reasons. Like for people who come out so strongly against gender stereotypes, they are very keen to label any kid that conforms to the opposite gender's stereotypes as trans, right? Which is not the same. Deborah So, um, who is a doctor from Canada, I think she's a 
neurologist, correct me if I'm wrong though, she talks a lot about the idea that how now there's almost like this erasure of effeminate gay men or masculine lesbians, right? And it's in a weird way, these people are actually enforcing gender norms rather than breaking them down, right? If you call anyone who likes pink or dress up a girl, well, well, guess what? You're not breaking down stereotypes. You're actually enforcing them. And we have more to go through, but first I wanna to talk to you all about your personal fitness and our sponsor, Echelon. So across the country, we are staying home for the greater good. And while we're all still learning how to become homebodies with Echelon, it doesn't mean you have to sit still. Echelon has a huge lineup of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, and rowing machines that give you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort and safety of your own home. In as little as 20 minutes, you can get into the best shape of your life and be active with the entire family. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with daily live and on-demand classes that are always available whenever you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everybody. Their EX1 connected fitness bike is less than half the price of a Peloton. With Echelon financing, you can also try them out risk-free for 30 days, zero down, and as little as $46 per month. So don't pay a ton for a Peloton tryout echelon. And what I personally love about the echelon is that you can work out without anyone watching you, which I don't know about you all, but for me, that is one of the biggest drawbacks of traditional gyms is that you have to work out with an audience. But go to echelonfit.com slash Lauren, that's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Lauren to try out one of their amazing fitness products. The thread goes on, says Marianne's friend Dawn gives a thoughtful, educational, and compassionate explanation of trans identity. This simple breakdown gives the show's young viewers a powerful tool to shape their worldview. Maybe the children really are our future. And that's an important thing I want you to remember when watching these clips is that this show is intended for children, which is so messed up. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Right. And you've known this since you were little? Pretty much. And if someone tried to make you do everything with your left hand, it would be super weird, right? If I tried to use scissors, I'd definitely stab myself. <laughs> Well, that's how Bailey feels. The same way that you know that you're right-handed, Bailey knows she's a girl. We all want our outsides to match our insides, right? Yeah. And it's rad to have parents and a babysitter who get it. She's really lucky. You seem to know a lot about this stuff. Well, I am from California. The only accurate thing about that clip is that this whole gender nonsense is more prevalent in California. Like, that's it. Okay, first off, wanting your outsides to match your insides, well, that, again, it, it leads into the idea that, oh, if you like pink stuff and you're a boy and your outsides need to match your insides, that must mean that inside you're actually a girl. No, that is not the case. Especially if you're a kid, wear whatever you, if you're an adult, even wear whatever you like, dress however you want, that doesn't mean you are a different gender. Uh, second, the uh, the notion that, you know, you, you're sure of this, as sure as you are, you're left-handed or right-handed, that is not what the science tells us when it comes to children and gender identity. There have been studies done that go to show that most children actually who experience gender dysphoria, I think it's somewhere like 80%, we've done other episodes about this, most of them end up growing out of their gender dysphoria, right? I think it is dangerous to tell children at such a young age that however you feel, that is what you will be or feel like for the rest of your life because that's simply not true, right? Being a child, being a teen, it's a time where there's a lot of confusion, there are new feelings, there's exploration over different types of identities. It doesn't mean you have to marry that to what you're gonna be 
for the rest of the, your life, including doing things like changing your gender, taking hormones or anything like that. So no, no, no to all of this. It's all just wrong and none of it is appropriate for children. The thread then says when Bailey comes down with a fever, who is the little trans child, Marianne rushes her to the hospital where two doctors misgender her. Marianne firmly corrects them. Misgendering, the post says, is traumatic. This is one of the baseline ways cisgender people can show up for the trans people in their life. And again, there is a video that accompanies the post. Have you been giving him fluids? If he's dehydrated, we'll need to place an IV. Have him change into this. I don't want the blue one. Um, well. I hear someone's not feeling well. Let's take a look at the little man. I know that you guys are busy, but as you would see, if you looked at her and not her chart, Bailey is not a boy. And by treating her like one, you are completely ignoring who she is. You're making her feel insignificant and humiliated. And that's not gonna help her feel good or safe or calm. So from here on out, please recognize her for who she is. Okay, the first thing that I noticed there is Bailey, the trans child's refusal to take a blue hospital gown. Hospital gowns are always blue. There's no pink hospital gown out there. This is just another example of this show trying to reinforce the idea that if you're a boy, pink means you're trans and blue means you're a cisgender boy. Like, no, that's not how it works. And I think for a lot of these children who are trans, they they probably were just effeminate boys or masculine girls whose parents are forcing the notion onto them that, oh, if you like these things, then that's totally weird for your gender. You must be trans. That is not the case, though. And, you know, of course, it's a whole different discussion about the trans issues when we're talking about adults. But this this show is aimed at children, right? The the character in this show that is trans is played by a nine-year-old. And actually, we have an interview with the actor's mother because apparently that actor is actually a, a trans child they chose to cast. So we have this article here from LGBTQ Nation. It says, a transgender child actor appeared in an episode of the 2020 Babysitter's Club television series. Kai Shepley 9 appeared in an episode of the 2020 Netflix series entitled Marianne Saves the Day, where she plays Bailey, a transgender child. In 2017, Kai's mother, Kimberly Shapley, talked to Good Housekeeping about being a Christian mother with a transgender daughter who was quote, verbalizing that she was a girl at least six times a day since she was three years old. When she was four, Kimberly, quote, stopped punishing Kai for acting girly. So this just illustrates my point perfectly. Clearly, this mother was under the impression that boys need to act like this and girls need to act like this. And if my boy is acting like a girl, he either needs to be punished or he's actually trans, which is just such an unhealthy mindset to have as a parent. Let your child play with whatever they want. It doesn't mean that they're choosing their gender identity, right? It's okay for boys to play dress up. It's okay for girls to play with trucks. They're just kids. Odds are it doesn't mean anything. And if, if it does, if it is a sign of some, you know, other mental thing, that is something that they can deal with better when they are older and more aware of their own feelings and the social norms attached to gender or whatever it is. And just, you know, to revisit that last clip from the Babysitter's Club, if you're at a hospital, it is important for the doctors to know your biological sex, right? That's not just a social construct that actually will, that will affect their diagnosis and treatment sometimes. So it's a good thing to point out. But 
I think it's worrying that this show is targeted at children because I think we've we've seen enough evidence now that the trans ideology is affecting kids younger and younger. And actually, uh, in a related issue, I saw this Q&A from Slate not long ago where a parent was debating whether to put their 13-year-old on sex-changing hormones. I'm not kidding. We have that here. This parent says, helping my trans kid make decisions about HRT. My 13 year old came out to my husband and me as non-binary slash transmasculine two years ago. They use they, them, and he, him pronouns. They have been incredibly open and communicative. My kid knows we're not invested in any particular outcome when it comes to identity or transition. Next month, our kid will turn 14 and will be able to start HRT if they want to, but they can't decide. They go back and forth on the question. They cry at night before bed freaking out about the gravity of the decision and they worry about whether they'll miss a window. I don't know what to do. This is terrifying. This is this is child abuse when it comes to children like this who are now having this crisis of a decision to make about something they shouldn't even be aware of because some people don't know what something being age appropriate means. And you know, we see this parents introducing this ideology to kids. Now, even if you don't have this ideology yourself as a parent, you do need to worry about your kid watching something like the Babysitter's Club on Netflix and learning about stuff like being a trans masculine. And it's just, this is not what childhood is supposed to be about. Let kids be kids if they want to make decisions as an adult. That's a different story. But you know, you're 13, you should not be debating whether to go on hormones. And likewise, that nine-year-old actor uh, should not be making the decision to socially transition. It's just, it's too much. And I don't know how we got here as a society. But as always, I would love to know what your thoughts are. Will you be watching The Babysitter's Club with or without your children? Let me know. Will you be keeping your Netflix subscription at all? Or is just this one step too far from the streaming service? As always, I would love to know your thoughts. But that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll see you next time.